and welcome again to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard. That was the Steve Howe Trio and Hiatus. I have the huge pleasure to welcome today the legendary guitarist Steve Howe of Yes, one of the most influential guitarists and songwriters of his generation. I'm here to talk about his new album with his uh, trio and a range of songs from across his career, including Yes, of course. So let's hear my chat with Steve. Hi, is that Steve? Yes, it is. Hi, Steve. It's Jason Barnard here. Yeah, hello, hello, Jason. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I'm good, thank you. So one of the key reasons we're here today is to, to talk about your new album with the uh, Steve Howe trio, New Frontier. Mm-hmm. How does New Frontier compare with your previous uh, Steve Howe trio albums? Right, well... Way back in 2008, we recorded uh, The Haunted Melody, and basically that was a, uh, a selection of the kind of music that we would, uh, inspired us to get together in the first place, which was Jimmy Smith, Kenny Burrell, mm. and some of my tunes, and, you know, some outer tunes from Yes, even. So we kind of saw ourselves as arrangers, you know, take an idea, see how we do it, and, and keep it in that kind of jazzy, swingy sort of feel. But, it, but after all the touring and the live album traveling, we, we kind of felt that what we wanted to do was to show some development and growth for the band. And we therefore, we thought we'd cut out any jazz standards and just keep it original music. So that's what we did. We, we compiled all these different tunes and, and we set about arranging and recording them. Basically, you know, it's a, it's another way we can use the band, you know, and, um, use the, the talents within it so that we don't kind of, you know, hark too much onto our, um, not, well, we lo- love to admit that we love jazz, but there again, we want to play our own kind of music. And I think that's what this is. It's more of the trio's own kind of music now. There's still a jazz yeah. element, but there's also a sort of more proggy edge. Tracks like uh, Left to Chance. Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, I'm glad you spotted that. That That's really kind of where we saw a branch, which was easy to step over to, is is that kind of uh, music that, you know, it's hard to define what it is, but it's it's it has our own original uh, writings in it.
on the album there's, there's some of your own tracks like Left a Chance, but you've also written with uh, Ross and, and yeah. your son Dylan. How did the writing process compare in, in all those different scenarios? Well, basically, I um, kind of threw out a, a conglomerate of ideas. I think there were six or seven ideas that I said, well, you know, can we work these out? You know, uh, is this some place starting places? And as we went through that course, then, you know, Ross said, oh, I've got this thing going here. You know, what, do you, what do you think about this as, as an intro or whatever? So we started to kind of grow the music so it wasn't just um, wasn't just the way I originally, well, it was never going to be the way I originally mm. conceived it. I didn't want that. But mm. it showed more opportunities for, for them to, to write as much as the other person you haven't mentioned. <laughs> is that Bill? Which is Bill Bruford. Basically, Bill gave me some tunes years and years ago and, uh, you know, they, they gathered a bit of dust and but in this writing period with the trio, I, I played these couple of these tunes to to the guys, and they said, "Oh wow, this is this is great. Let, let's arrange this." So again, we we developed them, and and I suppose I in particular, being one of the the, the main single line players, kind of took those ideas on and developed them. To which Bill, you know, wanted to share in, in the credit with me because he felt, um, you know, I'd kind of brought them back. You know, into the frame by by development. Mm. So the tracks that you've done with Bill are, are older tracks. You know, does that include you know material like Gilded Splinter? Well, I mean, music in a way often gets buried. You know, some good stuff hmm. gets buried along the way. I don't think there was a way Bill and I could have done those tunes earlier than this. Strangely enough, because we, you know, I didn't have a vehicle, and Bill had kind of left them with me, and 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 they just sort of sat there, and I'd messed, I'd doodled with them. But once the trio got hold of them, then we, we were able to bring the, the the melodies in into line with the other things we were doing. So um, that's how I'd explain that.
which of the uh, material from New Frontier are you most sort of pleased with in terms of the outcome? That's a tough one for different reasons. Um, you know, you you like the different tracks. You know, I like the sort of happy approach mm. of Fair Weather Friend, but the the changing same yeah. was 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 a development of of that idea with Bill. But mainly, the writing with the band helped me to uh, explore what I didn't think of in the first place, you know, which is that those ingredients. So, I mean, it's really, you know, it's really quite tough. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I have a favorite all round. Uh, I guess I like Zodiac quite a lot mm. just because it's, it has a little bit more of the haunted melody feel, you know, so it's a little bit more, but the tune is, uh, is, is for me, got the jazz styling in, in in the chordal structure and also in the melody so i like zodiac so the steve howe trio is a great way of uh, taking sort of one element of your influences you know that, that more jazz mm-hmm. feel and representing that today yeah but I, I think we didn't feel we didn't want to feel that we were limited to no. to stay hard-lined in, into this jazz thing because although you know having a name like trio obviously does mm. imply what it's very honestly the haunted melodies plot. Uh, I think now we're uh, we're a trio of a, of a different ilk, you know, because we've kind of moved across into the prog and the rock kind of thing quite comfortably without without losing um, the the roots uh, of the soul of the band.
But across your career, there's, there's different influences on your guitar playing that have, have come out, including uh, a song like Clap. That was uh, was that Chet Atkins who was yeah. a formative influence on you. That's right. Chet was a huge, huge influence because at the time when I was getting into all the you know guitarist mentors and, and the great guitarists you know that that uh, preceded preceded us, you know particularly the Charlie Christian. Uh, era, um, uh, sort of like post Charlie Christian, you know, the, the Kenny Burrells and Tal Farlows. But basically, um, Chet's, Chet's influence was very, very strong. But what it's allowed me to do, and I think partly through my solo, solo guitar performances and solo guitar tunes, that I kind of like stretched out, um, really what music I could, uh, attempt to, you know, resolve quite nicely in with these influences that I've had so strong. I mean, I saw Wes Montgomery when I was 16 or 17. So basically, I, I saw him in person, and that, that was really commanding for me to see somebody who was so happy. He was a very happy performer. He smiled a lot and, and basically mm. blistered on the guitar. So, and Albert Lee, and, you know, endless other guitarists, yes. Steve Morse, uh, you know, I could go on Martin Taylor. You know, I can almost not... <laughs> I'll stop mentioning more guitarists who pushed me on that little bit further when I've heard them and thought, wow, okay, I, I can do something like this, you know, or I've taken something from them just in their enthusiasm. And, and I think that's the same. I saw the Foo Fighters last night mm. at Reading. I mean, that band, they really put the energy in. And I think there's different ways of doing that. When I thought about, you know, if you watch Yes and you watch Foo Fighters, it's a completely <laughs> different world. But <laughs> I'm proud of what Yes do and the way that we play, uh, the sort of mm. discipline and, and the frameworks we're in. But a band like uh, Foo Fighters it, it is great fun and, and it's great to see their energy. So I think the influences I took from like, you know, the British guitar, Mick Green and also Brian mm. Griffiths, and particularly Albert Lee, you know, was before he really went country, uh, was that there is a British style of guitar and I'm going to follow that. You know, I, I'm going to be part of that. Mm. And Brian May, you know, Eric Clapton, you know, we could go yeah. on all day. And we have a wealth of guitar inspirers in this country. And uh, I, I'm very proud to be even a small part of that.
in recent years, I've spoken to Twink and, and Mark Wurtz, um, and obviously one of the, the bands that you were in prior to Yes was uh, Tomorrow. Yeah. I've read that um, Roger McGinn was a, an influence on you. Is that something you would agree with? Well, yeah, particularly Keith and I. Well, I mean, I think Twink as well. By the time we were at Tomorrow, the Birds were one of the most admired bands that that uh, that, that was around at that time from America. I mean, you know, you had... Buffalo Springfield, you had, you know, and Cosby Stills and Nash were coming, but in a way, uh, the birds had such a sound, you know, the 12 string, the, the Roger McGuinn thing. And tomorrow did play, uh, Why, which was, uh, just a simple song that we, we took from them, but we did admire them and we, you know, would, would have liked to have emulated them, but we, we, we had a different experience when, although, as you say, Mark was our producer, mm. uh, you know, we just didn't get that album finished in 1967. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it should have come out. But of course, My White Bicycle made enough of a, uh, you know, was noticed enough to, to help the band be, be what it was, which is a great opening act for Floyd and, and Jimi Hendrix and, and Vanilla Fudge or The Move or Traffic even. You know, I mean, we played with all the great bands at the time and, um, you know, we, we loved being there. But obviously, if we'd had that album out and we'd uh, maybe had more of that material like Revolution and My Art Bicycle, it would have been even better. <laughs> Charge! 
few years later you, you joined Yes, and it seemed that certainly when you joined for the Yes album, that was that was a time when it, everyone was throwing ideas in rather than writing solo. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I think we'd all been learning the craft of writing with other people and and, and increasing our strengths or, 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 uh, through arrangement and uh, an enjoyment of music from sharing it with, with each other and being excited about hearing something, you know, from John or Chris and going, oh, wow, let, mm. let, you know, let's play that. How are we going to play that? And um, it was a terrific learning curve. And most probably, you know, out of my experience in the 60s, which was, was quite a lot of stuff, you know, but, but once I got to the Yes album, I, I kind of really got on an adventure, uh, partly of having a new guitar and playing it or buying not necessarily newly mm. made but you know each album featured for a while a different guitar like Relia had the, the Telecaster and, and the Yes album was mm. the 175 which is really my classic guitar that I've never stopped playing and it came out on you know it's used on all, all the albums I make because there are times when that's the only guitar I can play you know yeah, and, and on, on that album, obviously, is yours is no disgrace, and there's that very famous guitar solo. It just seemed such a, an ambitious time for, for you and the group. I like the way you say that. Yeah, that it was. Um, I mean, I did used to remember Bill saying, oh, I wish I knew what you were going to overdub there. <laughs> I would have played differently. But in fact, I, even I didn't always know what I was going <laughs> to overdub. But no, that solo has got all the makings of, of shape and, and arrangement mm. and, and a bit of melody. You know, there's enough melody to say, well, there's a melody, but often it isn't. You know, often it's improvisation. Other times it's, it's the use of an effect, you know, like the wah-wah. And, and basically that, that was a very colorful solo and not dissimilar to Sabian Couture in a way where I start, you know, mm. I start on the steel, I go to the guitar. And in a way I was developing those kind of guitar solos where they weren't, um, they weren't, fixed in one place you know here's a guitar yeah. break okay he plays and then it ends and the song carries on what i wanted was was uh, a guitar solo that started went places visited a few other stops that you weren't <laughs> expecting to, and then ends you know so I, I think that was a more complete uh and it comes from you know the desire to arrange but also the desire to arrange that i can improvise and and that's basically uh a, quite a good uh, uh, example is, is yours in a disgrace, of course.
time of a fragile do you feel your confidence as a writer had, had increased because obviously there's the song roundabout that you did with john yeah were you kind of more confident given you'd, you'd had more time in the band absolutely yeah because you know i guess i started songwriting quite early on with the syndicate so the first b-side yeah. was written by uh steve howe and tom ladd but but i was i wasn't that confident and, I, and um you know I, I knew there was a craft to learn and I think by the time yes were, uh, were an open book, you know they, they were open to stuff. And basically, fragile um, ventured to be even more. Um, I don't know what that word is. Um, kind of the sound had to be have something minimal about it, even though it was quite busy. So even though Chris was on roundabout was playing uh, furiously, somehow there was a calmness in that music which allowed his his riff in in, in the verses to, to to be right. And then we got like down to it a roundabout has a has a, a nice getting down to it chorus you know where it's it's kind of like a bit more like grassroots rock than anything else and uh, we should have always you know if you look at tomato there's very much less of that on <laughs> tomato of that kind of well yes rock out a bit like we did on south side of the sky a bit like we did in 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 other in other on other albums but but at that time we were we were really good at that, and obviously Bill being in the group was, was, a, was an absolute gem. Thank you. 
of the albums that is many people's favourites is uh, Close to the Edge, tracks like And You and I. And one of the elements, I think it was Eclipse of And You and I, featured uh, Pedal Steel. And that that's a guitar that, that keeps coming up across your career. Well, yeah, thanks for mentioning it. I, I, I adore the steel. Um, at, at that point, it was just a, like what we might call a Hawaiian steel or a lap steel. And it's only when I got to um, to be over from Relaya that I actually ventured onto the pedal steel. It's, it's more intricate and it's more it's more for a melodic melodic sounds. Great for chordal work as well. So, uh, but from from fragile onwards, yeah, I, the way I was uh, close to the edge onwards, particularly. Uh, I started to introduce the steel guitar in, in, in a kind of, well, a very unusual sort of <laughs> It wasn't, <laughs> but I was learning, you know, and uh, I played a little bit of steel in the 60s. And, and But once I started collecting and, and I found the, 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 the Fender steel that I like so much uh, for its bright, clear, sparkly sound, then that, that's what started to uh, to appear, as it does on, as you say, on a new and I. And uh, that developed quite a lot on stage, but also on Katru in those kind of moments where I could do that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm happily always, when somebody says, oh, if you've got a steel idea, or hmm. what about if you play that on a steel? You know, I'm hmm. there. I mean, often I think, oh, I'll play that on a steel enough times. But, uh, you know, I've got tracks like The Collector from my album, uh, Quantum Guitar, which is, which is, besides the rhythm guitar, is all steel, so, and pedal steel. So basically, I love Steels. It started with Speedy West, who was a steel guitarist with, uh, in his own right, uh, back in the 50s with Jimmy Bryant on guitar. And basically they were the, the, the super hot pickers on a lot of uh, Tennessee Ernie Williams, uh, uh, hillbilly kind of music. But then, you know, I discovered that, 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 uh, this influence, you know, even got to Bill Haley. I guess I heard Steels really a lot when you heard Bill Haley he had a guy who just kind of went every now and again but it was so dynamic you know I thought I want to have that dynamism but what I what I've always been doing is like for instance my 175 I don't do a lot of bending and I don't go crazy on it really I play the guitar you know I'm a guitarist (laughs) but but I had these other things that you can only deal on, do on steels or whether it's a Portuguese guitar or, you know, acoustics, you know, like this, when you want a Spanish, you have to play a Spanish, you know, because otherwise you haven't got that emotive sort of almost desperately melancholy sound. So I like the guitar family as an array of textures. I don't play the mandolin much, you know, but I do Mm. love playing bass, even though I often, you know, get um, other people to play bass as well, because I think that's really, really great. So, yeah, moving across the family of guitars is, 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 would sum me up. If somebody said that's what Steve did, I think I'd be happy with that (laughs) description.
mentioned the range of guitars that, that you've played and, and one of the most famous guitar solos that you did was with Queen on Innuendo and that f- amazing flamenco guitar solo. How did you get involved on that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love talking about this. Um, I was in a cafe in, in Montreux. I'd been working with my friend Paul Soutin in Geneva and I think I'd driven down and um, I was in a cafe. A guy went by and he looks at me and goes, 
Steve, you know, he comes in and goes, oh, we're just down the road, you know, the studio. Of course, I knew the studio. It's where we made the Going for the One. Mm. And um, so I said, the guy's in the studio. Oh, great, come in. By the time I got there, they'd, they'd schemed up something. So they go, oh, hi, Steve. You know, sit down, Freddie was great. And, and Brian and, and Dave Richards, the, the engineer at the time. Um, so basically, we're sitting there. And they said, well, look, we, we want to play you the album. I said, well, look, you know, I've got time. Play me the album. But they saved innuendo till the end. Oh. So they played innuendo. And when it finished, they said, uh, you know, that middle bit was, you know, what, what Brian was doing. I said, yeah, lovely, lovely, lovely. I said, well, we, we want you to play on that. Oh. I was like, well, you don't need anything else, I said. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, isn't it there? They said, no, no, no. What we hear is, a bit of Paco de Lucia. I said, well, look, you know, I'm the wrong guy. I can't re- I'm not Paco de Lucia. They said, yeah, but you can go there. You know, you can, you can improvise. So basically that's what happened. They set me up to sort of just improvise across this beautiful structure that Brian May had played. Um, but what happened was they turned and there were three guitars called Gibson Chet Atkins, oh. uh, models. And they're Spanish guitar, the first ever solid body Spanish guitar. So they have a very unique sound. It's it's kind of nicely plonky. It's not like your classical sound, but wow, it's great for playing single lines on. So they said, choose one of those, plug you in, and off you go, you know. So we did a few takes and we didn't really know what was there. Freddie said, let's go to dinner. We go to dinner. He says, don't go to Mexico. They threw bottles at us and, you know, it's not worth I said, really? And I haven't been there yet. Hmm. So we come back from dinner and he says, uh, well, let's comp this. So basically we listened to, you know, two or three takes and just created the best, uh, the best version of, of those bits. So I left really on and up, you know, I mean, this was great, you know, playing the Queen and giving me a break. This was fantastic. So, you know, when it came out, you know, I got a thank you letter and a credit and I was in heaven. Great.
the sorrow, all through our splendor. Don't take offense at my innuendo. Just to close, I wondered if it, there's, a, there's a track that you'd like to cover as the final track, you know, a track that may be not appreciated. I, one of my favourites of yours is Sketches in the Sun, but you may have another. Is there a, a particular favourite that you feel should get an airing? Uh, what, from all, all of my, my mm. fellow career? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow, well, that's a lovely, lovely question. Let me think for a second. Um, 
I mean, I'm very, very fond of, and it might be unusual, but the, the, I think I mentioned it earlier, I don't know, the collector from Quantum Guitar. And ah, Quantum yeah. Guitar and Spectrum are, are mostly when Dylan and I just really do big collaborations on masses of tracks, you know, and we get there. I mean, it's a pretty little track, you know, but for me, mm. it, you know, like you mentioned the steel guitar, this, this is all over steel guitar. This is loads of them, you know, <laughs> and a few other little effects, but I like the collector. Let's close on that, and uh, all the best, Steve, with the release of your new album with the Steve Howe Trio, New Frontier. It's been a, a delight to, to listen to that album and talk about a, a selection of tracks from your career, and most importantly to you. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Jason. You've been very sweet, and nice to talk to you. And, uh, you know, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye, Jason. Bye. Thank you for listening to the strange brew podcast if you do like the show please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online it's been almost 10 years since i started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time 
All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.